Oh, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? And didn't those kids just do a great job this morning? They did a great job. It's like you never know what's going to happen when you turn kids loose on a stage. They did not disappoint. They did a great job, though. You guys and gals look good this morning. Y'all look good. Some of y'all are dressed up in your Easter Sunday best. I love it. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, you look good. But, but not as good as me. Not as good as me. That's what. <laughs> hey, you guys that are watching online, thank you so much for, uh, for tuning in and, and hanging out with us today. If you would, just take a second and like and share the live stream so we can help get the word out there today to let everybody know about what Jesus has done in our lives. We thank you so much for doing that today. Resurrection Sunday. I love it. I love it. Jesus sealed the deal today. Sealed the deal. You know, if Jesus hadn't risen from the grave, then nothing that he did would have mattered. None of the lessons that he taught, none of the words that he spoke, none of the miracles that he performed, none of it would have mattered. Even dying on the cross wouldn't have mattered if Jesus hadn't resurrected from the grave. Today's a powerful day. It is a powerful day. And I'm looking at um, everybody in here this morning. I'm so glad that y'all chose to be here today. But we've got this is a diverse group of people in here, different clothing styles, you know, different kind of swag in the room this morning. Um, some of y'all are really awake. Some of y'all look like y'all need about five more cups of coffee this morning, and that's okay too. But, you know, with different people come different things and likes and dislikes and, and all that stuff. And this is what I know about people. We've all got stuff that we like, and we've all got stuff that we don't like, right? Like if I was to say, who likes puppies? Probably everybody in here would say that you like puppies, right? I mean, who does? Now, I get it if you don't like cats. I get it because cats are just demon creatures. I hate, I don't even understand wasps, gnats, and cats. I don't know why God made them. I really don't. But, but everybody likes puppies, it seems like, because they're cute and they're loyal and all that stuff. And I would say, who likes dessert? People like dessert, right? Now, that, wow. Dang, I forgot how good that looks. Chocolate. How many of you are like chocolate super freaks? Y'all like chocolate? Yeah, me too. I love like good, sweet chocolate dessert and a nice cup of coffee, you know. Some people like coffee, some people don't. How many of y'all are coffee lovers and drinkers this morning? Oh, yeah, you're my people. Coffee is a beautiful thing, you know. So you like puppies and you like desserts. And how many of y'all like to eat steak? You know what I'm talking about? I love steak, like a good steak that's cooked. Now, it's got to be cooked right. You can't just say, I love steak. Now, how do you like your steak? Now, that's important. I mean, how many of y'all are rare people? Just, just brown it up, cut the horns off, and, and slow it on my plate. Yeah, just rare. How many of y'all medium rare? Medium rare, that's more of a classic right there. Just straight medium. Hot pink center, still nice and juicy, yeah. Medium well, starting to lose me. Well done. Why even eat steak if you're going to do well done? I don't get that. Just get a hamburger. Go get some beef jerky, you know, or something like that, man. I just, no, nah, I'm picking at you. Uh, if that's how you like it, that's how you like it. We, most of the reason why we did this was for profiling purposes. So we, we know who to keep an eye on for the rest of the, the service today. Because if you like your steak uh, well done, we know you can't be trusted as a human being. So security is keeping their eye on you right now. No, I saw a dude one time who put, we were talking about it yesterday. Somebody was talking about how they saw somebody that put ketchup on a steak. <sighs> I just, I feel bad for saying that on the day that baby Jesus came back from the dead. You know what I'm talking about? You just catch up on a steak. No, I, I don't get that. I don't get it. There's things that people like and people, things that people don't like. Like if you were to ask me what I don't like, there's a few things that I don't like. I don't like taxes. I can't stand taxes. I'll be so glad when we don't have to pay taxes anymore. When we're in heaven, ruling and reigning with Jesus, there are no more taxes. You get that? That is awesome. No more IRS. I, man, I can't wait for that day. But there are some other things that I don't like. And me personally, I don't like heights. I do not like heights. I'm not a height person. And I'm not like really scared of being up in the air. I just don't like it. 
like this dude right here, you couldn't pay me enough money to do what this guy is doing. There's no way. Could not do it. Maybe there's a dollar amount out there somewhere. I don't know. How many of y'all would climb up the tower like that for $10,000? There's a few people that would do it. 25 grand? 25 grand? Would, how, about, uh, how about if we just sweetened the deal and said $30,000? See, I would have to figure in medical bills if I fell. How much would it cost for the hospital? So my number would probably start at about $500,000 because you can't stay two days at a hospital without it costing you a hundred grand anyway. It's like the most expensive hotel ever. You know what I mean? So I don't like heights. And you know what else I don't like? I don't like snakes. I am not a snake guy. This right here freaks me out. You could not pay me enough money to do this one either. Hey, you want to go play with a bunch of rattlesnakes in a ditch? No, I don't. No, I do not want to do that. You could not pay me enough money to do those things. Couldn't do it. I do not like snakes or snakes. Uh, there's things that we like. Things we, I don't trust. I don't trust snakes though. It, look, how does something with no arms and no legs move on the ground like that? It's evil. That's all I'm saying. Snakes are evil creatures. So there's stuff that we like and stuff that we don't like. And, and probably if we were to poll people in here today, we would all say that most of us have had moments of doubt in our lives. I know that I have. You know, like doubt happens when the norm is broken up. When you get into a rhythm and you expect certain things to happen, and then when what you expect to happen doesn't happen, it causes apprehension from that moment on because now you don't trust that the things that are supposed to happen are going to happen the way that they're supposed to. Make sense? If I trust you and you break that trust, man, it's going to be hard for me to trust you the next time because that doubt is in my mind, you know? Like here in Atlanta, uh, if I were to say a Georgia sports team is going to win a championship this year, some of you are like, I hope so, but <laughs> we've all had a bad experience when it comes to Georgia sports, right? Maybe this is the year that they'll push across the line and get it done. Who knows? Maybe the dogs could win a title this year. Maybe. Maybe the Falcons can get it done. I'm just saying, as long as they're not leading by 28 points in any game, they got a shot of winning. You know what I mean? Like, it's so heartbreaking. Um, but there's... <laughs> We all, we all have these moments of doubt in our lives. And what I want to talk to you about uh, this morning is a guy who had an issue with some doubt. Um, Jesus had just been risen from the dead. And this was still breaking news to most of the disciples and the people because he hadn't appeared to a lot of people just yet. But in John chapter 20, if you got your Bibles, follow along with us or your tablet. If you didn't bring any of that stuff, we've got the scriptures that'll be up on the screen for you this morning to follow along with. Uh, John 20 says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus. Hey, if y'all are looking for names for a kid, there you go. Didymus. Didymus. That works out though, right? Like, you introduce yourself to people, like, how you doing? I'm so-and-so. This is my wife, such-and-such, and this is our little ditty. <laughs> Didymus, I don't know. Maybe that's too cheesy. I don't know. So Thomas, who's also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not there when the disi- or, or with the disciples when Jesus came. Now, Jesus has already appeared to the disciples. These guys have already seen him in the flesh, risen from the dead. Thomas hasn't yet, though. So the other disciples, they told him, we've seen the Lord. And Thomas responds like, I probably would have. He says, well, unless I see the the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Like, I appreciate what you guys are saying, but basically what Thomas was saying here was that unless I see it, I'm not going to believe it. And a lot of people, like in church circles, we get down on Thomas and we say, well, you shouldn't doubt in life like Thomas was doubting that the Lord came back from the dead and, and all this. But we're forgetting that all the disciples responded just like Thomas is responding here. 
They just got the benefit of having seen Jesus a little bit earlier and knowing for a fact that he's come back. Thomas didn't have that. The disciples, all of them, doubted that Jesus was going to do what he said he was going to do. They all thought Jesus was dead and gone. You can look at their response. Even when Jesus was arrested, they scattered like cockroaches when you turn on the light. They were gone and just left Jesus hanging high and dry. Peter denied Jesus three times. Three times, I don't know him. I don't know him, blankety blank, I don't know him. Peter was cursing and calling down curses on himself. I don't know the guy. Already separating himself from Jesus because he knew Jesus was about to be executed. The disciples knew that Jesus had been killed. They'd seen Jesus do some awesome stuff, and they'd seen Jesus pray over people and Blind eyes were opened and deaf ears were opened. And they'd seen people who couldn't walk, get up and walk because Jesus had worked all these powerful miracles of healing and restoration in people's lives, you know. And, and they had see, even seen Jesus raise people from the dead. A little girl who was dead and Jesus spoke over her. She came back to life. Lazarus was dead for four days, already stinking in the tomb. And Jesus walked in and called him back to life. So they knew that Jesus could raise people from the dead, but if the person who raises people from the dead is dead, how does that work? They didn't think he could bring himself back. They didn't understand how all that was going to work. To them, it was unexplainable. And you can see, it's just even not just with the disciples, but people that followed Jesus, after Jesus was in the tomb for three days on that third day, the women were going to the tomb to put spices and oils on the body of Jesus to cover the stench that would have already begun as his body began to decompose. None of these people were responding like they were expecting to see an empty tomb that day. And so Thomas is just responding like those guys did. He's responding with some doubt because some stuff happened that he didn't expect to happen. His norm was broken up. He had seen all that stuff happen. They didn't expect Jesus to be executed. And his world was turned upside down. You know, when life hits you and it turns you upside down, man, it's hard to get your bearings. You ever been hit by life before? You ever had some stuff happen to you that made you take a step back and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought I had this figured out. I don't know what's going on here. I don't trust anybody. I don't trust anything. I sure don't trust the system. And I don't even know that I trust God to be watching my back right now because what I'm seeing happening in life doesn't make sense. And it's causing me to doubt because it's breaking up the rhythm of what I thought was supposed to happen in life. This is what Thomas is dealing with here. He says, guys, I hear what you're saying, but I saw the dude dead. So until I see him in this room with my own two eyes and I can put my hands in the hole, my, my fingers in the holes in his hands and my hand in his side where they stabbed him with a spear, I get what you're saying, but until I see it and I experience it to be true, I'm not gonna believe what you guys are saying. I probably would have responded the same way in the same situation. I think Thomas kind of gets a bad rap when it comes to this because he's responding how all of them had responded up until that point. And I think most of us, when we experience that kind of stuff, it throws us for a loop. Maybe you're here today and life's kind of got you upside down right now and you're in a season where you really like you kind of believe in the concept of God but you don't know that you really believe believe in God like all those crazy Christians that maybe one of them invited you to service here today you know and I and I get it because when life happens it does stuff to you maybe you're here today and you're like a guy named Russell Russell had a rough life Russell experienced a lot of loss in his life. Russell lost his mother, and then he lost a sister, and then he lost some really close friends. 
And when you experience just traumatic and impactful loss like that, and you're feeling that kind of pain, you, you look for something to kind of numb up the pain, and that's what Russell did. And he turned to drugs. So he started using. And one drug led to the next, and finally he landed on meth and started using that pretty regular. Got addicted. And he got caught up in the lifestyle, and eventually he began dealing drugs. And then came the arrests, then came the jail time. And Russell, with all that hurt from all that loss, found himself up against the wall, just dead end after dead end, caught in a cycle, trying to break free, but trapped in addiction and a lifestyle that he couldn't shake. Maybe that seems a little too extreme, but maybe you're like a lady named Angel. Angel had the cards stacked against her from the beginning. When she was born, her pancreas didn't function. She had a lot of serious health issues, and her mom pretty much raised her by herself because her dad was just absent, wasn't there. And Angel ended up spending a lot of time on her own because of that. That opened up the door for a history of molestation and sexual abuse. If that wasn't enough, when she was 17, she almost died because of health complications. And they rushed her to a medical facility, and the facility wouldn't even accept her because they knew that there was nothing they could do to save her life. And they said, it doesn't matter what we, what we do, she's going to die. We don't want her here because we don't want the death of a minor on our records here. So they rushed her to another facility where she got treatment and it saved her life. She became a mother at the age of 19, in and out of abusive relationships, in and out of hospitals because of health issues, carrying the history of sexual abuse in her life. She finally hit a spot in life where she said, you know what, enough is enough. I'm just going to cash it all in, and she attempted to kill herself. Have you ever been in a spot where you thought it might be easier just to cash out than keep going? Maybe you're like a guy named Teddy. Teddy grew up in a home that was just full of verbal and emotional abuse, and he got to see what alcoholism looked like up close and what it could do to a family into a marriage. And he thought he would escape from all of that and he enlisted in the military and he finally found a place where he felt like he belonged, that he loved it. And it went great until one day they were doing some maintenance on an airplane and he fell from about 30 or 40 feet down to the hard concrete in the aircraft ha uh, hangar and it did devastating damage to his neck and to his back. From that day forward, he's lived in chronic pain every day. Well, he had to be discharged from the military. Now he's got to deal with the disability and the pain from all of that and trying to make it his way through life. And, and he went through not just the pain of the injury, but he's experienced tr tremendous loss in his life too, the death of a girlfriend and his child in an auto accident. And he went through a season where he was being used and abused and betrayed by people and that just kind of agitated a history of mental health issues that he had and his self-worth went to the gutter and he just saw himself as a piece of useless trash and he thought, you know what? Nobody's going to miss me. My life doesn't matter. I'm tired of hurting. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of living this life. I'm tired of being used by people. I'm just going to cash out myself. Teddy took over 250 pills, painkillers and muscle relaxers, to kill himself. And then he took a razor and he opened up both arms to make sure the job was done. And then he went an extra step and set the house on fire where he was at because he didn't want to wake back up and face life again. It's like he said, he felt like he was useless and worthless. 
And I know those are kind of extreme examples, but when life hits you and it turns you upside down and you go through seasons of doubt, it makes you respond in certain ways. And all of these people went through seasons where they were questioning why they were there and why they were going through the things that they were going through and whether or not anyone even gave a rip about the fact that they were going through it and whether there was a God in heaven that actually cared about where they were. This is what Thomas is kind of going through in this passage of scripture because his whole world has just been turned upside down because of what he has just seen and what he's experienced. But it doesn't just stop there. In John chapter 20, starting at verse 26, the story picks back up and it says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Oh my gosh, can you imagine if that really happened to us? You're in a house, the door's locked, and then suddenly a dude just appears out of nowhere and says, hey, what's up, peace be with you? Okay, if I was a disciple and I was in this room when that happened, this story would read a little bit different. It would say all the disciples were gathered together there in the room and then Jesus, the door was locked and Jesus appeared and he said, hey, peace be with you. And then it would say, and then the disciple named Josh jumped up, screamed like a little girl, ran through the wall, out in the street and down through the town. That would have freaked me out. No way for the dude to get in there and then suddenly he just appears. But Jesus had an agenda this time when he showed up, he said, peace be with you to everyone who was in the room. But then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out with your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. I believe that Jesus showed up that time just for Thomas. And look at what Jesus said. Thomas said in the earlier conversation, unless I see it, I'm not going to believe it. And here comes Jesus. And what Jesus is basically saying is, hey, come here and see it. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus went straight to Thomas. And when I look at this, this is so like Jesus because he's always going to people to meet them where they are. And Thomas says in response to what's happening here, he says, my Lord and my God. Thomas believed like it was a done deal in his mind. It was done. My Lord and my God. This is a big deal though because Jesus didn't just leave Thomas hanging out to dry. Jesus went to where Thomas was and he met him where he was in his faith at that moment. Listen, Jesus meets us where we are in life. Now, I'm here to tell you no matter what you're walking through or what you might be experiencing right now, or what kind of season of life you're in, Jesus meets you where you are. He hasn't forgotten about you. He's still the same Jesus. He's still the same Jesus. He's still the same God that when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, he didn't leave them where they were. He came to them and he met them where they were. He's still the same Jesus. When he called the disciples, he went to them each individually and met them where they were in life and called them to follow him. This is the same Jesus that met the Samaritan woman at a well who had a history of bad relationships, but he met her where she was and changed her life. Jesus met the woman who was called in adultery. They were ready to stone her, but he met her where she was. Time after time, when you look at Jesus, he's reaching out to people, meeting them where they are. He was known as a friend of sinners and tax collectors. He was known as a drunkard because he hung out with the crowd nobody else wanted to hang out with because Jesus meets people where they are. And he looked at your life and he looked at my life and he said, I know sin is a problem. I know that you guys cannot shake it, but I will come to you if you can't come to me. And he met us where we are on the cross and he took your sin and my sin and he put it on himself. 
himself and he dealt with it once and for all because Jesus is the Lord and Savior who meets us where we are. He doesn't demand that we run to him. He runs to us. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. He's a God that meets us where we are and he meets us where we are in life. And you say, well, Josh, that sounds great, but you don't know where I am. That doesn't matter because Jesus does. Isn't it great to know that your sin doesn't intimidate Jesus? Isn't it great to know that you can never be hurt too bad for Jesus to walk into the situation and bring healing and restoration? Jesus meets us where we are. And that's what happened to Russell. Russell went through all that stuff and he was hurting and he was caught up in in a bad lifestyle. But Jesus met him where he was and it happened when he was working on a car and a guy was there and he invited him to church. And it wasn't long after that before Russell had an encounter with God that completely transformed his life. And his heart was healed and his heart was restored. He cleaned up his life. He stopped using. He came sober. He got into a healthy pattern of life. Russell is one of the best carpenters and cabinetry people you are ever going to meet in your life. He's involved in church because God has changed his life. And if you look at Russell, what you're going to see is that God is a God that heals and restores and makes things new again. When you look at the life of Angel, she went through so much in her life, so much abuse, so much abuse, but God radically transformed her life. And because he did a work in her life, she was able to forgive her mother and forgive her father and forgive all the people that have abused her. He made her whole from the inside out. Angel, check this out. Has got three beautiful children now. That same woman that was ready to end her life has given life to three beautiful children. She ended the cycle of abusive relationships that she was caught in because when Jesus came in, she began to see what her worth really was. God completely changed her life. She's a business owner now. She's a business owner, moving forward in life, involved in the church, watching God use her to change life. She is a beautiful example of how God can take beauty or ashes and put back the broken pieces of our lives and make us whole and complete again. Teddy, Teddy had an encounter with God and recommitted his life to Jesus And he's not perfect like none of us are, but every day he's becoming more and more like the person that God has called him to be. God did a work of healing and restoration in his life. He's like the perfect picture of grace because there is no logical reason for this guy to still be living and breathing and walking on this earth today. But God had a different plan for his life. Teddy owns his own IT company now. Isn't that crazy? But he's involved with working with a recovery outreach here in Douglas County that we partner with as a church, and he's actively involved in using his life experience to help other people get on the road to recovery and breaking the pattern of addiction and abuse in their lives. He uses his own journey with mental health to help other people navigate that challenge in their lives. And Teddy is being used by God every week to let people know that it's okay to not be okay. But Jesus loves us too much to leave us that way. And God's power is shown to be perfect through our weakness. It's just amazing to see how God meets us where we are in life and does the work that he wants to do in our lives. And listen, those people aren't just people on a video that we wanted to show you today. They're here this morning. Russell, why don't you stand up in the back right there? Angel, why don't you stand up so people can see you in the back over here? Teddy, why don't you stand up for a second this morning? Because listen, they are living, breathing proof that in Christ, all things are possible. And they're here today to let you know that if he can do 
the powerful work in their life that he's done, he can do the exact same thing for you. Amen, because he is a God that meets us where we are. Praise God that he doesn't make us jump through hoops or earn our way in. He meets us where we are. You guys can be seated. Let's praise God one more time for his work in their lives. It's awesome. It's awesome. He meets us where we are. See, this is, this is why we know that God loves us because Jesus died for us, not because things always work out the way they think, we think that they should. We know that he loves us because he died for us. And I think sometimes we get that confused and we get it mixed up and we equate God's love for us based on what's happening in our lives and God doesn't operate that way. He showed his love for us by sending his son to die for our sins. And Jesus even said, listen guys, let me be straight up with you. In this world, you are going to have trouble. There's going to be stuff that's going to happen to you. It's going to be jacked up. It's going to be messed up. And in life, you're going to have trouble. Then he said, but, but, I have overcome this world. See, he came to this world to die on a cross because we were in a spot we couldn't get out of. This world was devastated by the stuff called sin. And because sin was let loose on this earth, a lot of stuff happened that wasn't intended to happen. Jesus came to correct that first in our hearts. We know that God loves us because Jesus died for us, not because of what's happening to us in life, because he meets us where we are, because he paid the price for our sins. You know, the Bible says in John 3, 16, it's like one of the most quoted scriptures of all time. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. He loved the world first and was motivated by that love he had for us while we were still jacked up and messed up in our sin. And because that love motivated him, then he sent his son Jesus to die for us, to pay the price for that sin so that we could receive forgiveness. And I, and I get what some of you guys are thinking right now because I see the look on your faces and you're thinking, that sounds awesome. And I almost believe it. And, and I believe in the concept of God and I believe that God is great for other people. And I even believe that Jesus died on the cross. I just don't know that all of that could be possible for me. And I get it because I've been there before myself and been there more than once, to be honest with you. When you go through seasons of life like that, I want to encourage you to think about baseball. Just think about baseball. What do you mean, Josh? I'll explain. Yale professor did a study on the game of, of baseball. And he said, I want to look at baseball, and I want to apply physics, and I want to apply neuroscience to this whole process and see if it makes sense. So he did a study on what it would actually take for a person who's at bat to make contact with a ball traveling 90 miles an hour or faster. So initially, he tracked the speed of the ball and the distance from the pitcher's mound to home plate. And what he worked out was that it was going to take 400 milliseconds for a baseball traveling 90 miles an hour to leave a pitcher's hand and hit a catcher's glove. 400 milliseconds, less than half a second for the whole process, start to finish, to take place. Now you know why it's so hard to play baseball. 400 milliseconds. So then he did some more work on physiology and neurology and the body's response and able to perceive and, and all of this stuff. And he equated that for a batter to be able to see the ball once it's released, to see it, the eyes recognize it, 
and then to communicate to the brain and the person to understand what's happening, he figures it will take 200 milliseconds for that process to take place. Well, that's half the time that it takes for the ball to travel from the pitcher to the catcher. 200 milliseconds. Then he said it would probably take another 100 milliseconds for the batter to, after recognizing what's happening, for the brain to receive the information and then to begin to lay out a plan of how the batter was going to swing the ball, whether the bat was going to be swung high or low, in tight or out over the plate. All of that was going to take 100 milliseconds to process. And then he said, once the brain had done all of that work, then for the brain to send the signal to the muscle so that the batter could respond and then swing the bat would take 150 milliseconds. For all the communication to take place, for the muscles to react, 150 milliseconds. 400 milliseconds for the pitch to get from the pitcher to the catcher. But then when you do the math of 200 milliseconds for the batter to see it and recognize what he's seen, and then 100 milliseconds to process it and figure out how he's going to respond, and then 150 milliseconds to actually swing the bat and make it all happen, it takes 450 milliseconds for all of that to take place. That's 50 milliseconds longer than it takes for the ball to reach home plate. By the time the batter has processed all of that and responded, the ball's already sitting in the catcher's glove. 50 milliseconds. Everybody respond? Y'all follow me on that? The Yale professor concluded from his research that it is impossible for a batter to hit a ball that's traveling 90 miles an hour or faster. Are any of you buying that, though? But I gave you the information, the physics and the science behind it, the timing and all of that. It's irrefutable truth. But none of you are buying that it's impossible. Why? Because you've seen them do it. Seen it happen. Me, personally, I've seen a guy take a 98-mile-an-hour fastball and crank it over the center field wall into the upper deck. And it's like, I get what he's saying, and I don't doubt the science and the truth behind it, but I've seen it take place personally, and you guys have too, right? And we've all learned the lesson, whether we realize it or not, that when it comes to life, that you don't let what is unexplainable discredit what is undeniable. You don't let what is unexplainable discredit what is undeniable. Like, I can't explain to you how this microphone that I'm using right now works. It's a bunch of plastic and wires. And I can't tell you how a bunch of plastic and wires is going to magnify my voice, but it's an undeniable fact and truth that when I talk, this thing is picking up my voice and sending it through the PA system so you guys can hear me. It's not explainable, really, but it's undeniable that it's happening. And we, look, we accept that in so many different areas and arenas of life. And like you guys, when, when you fly, how many of y'all have flown on a plane before? Oh, me too. It's one of the coolest things ever. I love flying. Not crazy about the heights, but I like flying because it's cool. You can see the, the top of the clouds and all the stuff you don't normally get to see. But when we get on a plane, do we ask to see the pilot's credentials? Do we ask to see what school the pilot went to? Do we want to see the grades that the pilot made when he was at pilot school? Do we want to see how many hours he's got logged in on the type of airplane we're fixing to get on and fly? We don't ask those questions. When we get on the plane and we sit down, do we ask to see the maintenance logs of the airplane? We don't. Do we ask, does, we ask how many hours of operation this particular jet has? We don't. Why? Because we just accept 
all of that. Even though it's not explainable to us, we accept all of that because we've learned to just assume that those processes would have taken place and that our safety would be, for the most part, undeniable. We learn to accept just in other things in life that we don't let what is unexplainable discredit what is undeniable in our lives. And I'm here to tell you today that it is an undeniable fact that Jesus died on a cross for you and for me. Now, that may seem impossible for you. Maybe you can accept the fact that he did, but it's impossible that he would have died for you specifically. And I'm here to tell you that he did. You know that it is an irrefutable fact that there was a guy named Jesus who walked on this earth. Not just because we have biblical accounts, but it is bulletproof, proven in history by extra biblical accounts that there was a man named Jesus who did a lot of crazy miracles that couldn't be explained. But even though it couldn't be explained, it was undeniable that the miracles took place. That that Jesus was executed on a cross, that he was put into a grave, and then something impossible that was unexplainable happened next. That Jesus came back to life and walked out of that tomb, the resurrected Lord and Savior of each and every one of us. Now, it sounds impossible, but I'm here to tell you that it is an undeniable fact, not just from the accounts that we have in the Bible, but historical documents noting the fact that there was a man named Jesus who was crucified and executed, who was dead, who was put into a tomb, and then three days later, they were seeing him walking around the city talking to people, and they couldn't explain what happened because he was dead before, but he's alive walking around and talking to people now. That The same Jesus appeared to over 500 people at once to all the disciples to multiple people outside of that group we have historical documents saying we don't know how this happened but it is undeniable that Jesus is alive because all of these people have seen him and I have seen him myself unexplainable but it's undeniable he rose from the dead Sealing the victory for you and for me. For you and for me. So he could meet us where we are today. It's amazing how much Jesus loves us. It's amazing how much love God shows us. And I know there's people in here today you're walking through a tough season of life. You guys might be watching online right now. And you're going through a season that may have you doubting. And you're walking through some stuff that may seem impossible. But I'm here to give you an undeniable truth that God loves you. That Jesus died for you. That there's forgiveness for sin. There's restoration for your heart. There's healing for your body. And he can make all things new again. Bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I want to pray for you and give everyone in this room an opportunity to receive and accept the love and forgiveness that, that Jesus gives. And what, what a perfect day. What a perfect day to get our hearts right with God. What a perfect day on the day that Jesus rose from the dead and he came from death to life that some of us in this room today and maybe people watching online are gonna make that same journey spiritually. We're gonna cross from death to life today. Because a lot of people think that what God does is he looks for bad people that he can turn into good people and that's not what God does. He takes spiritually dead people and he brings them to life from the inside out. 
And it's not something that you can earn and it's not something that you can be good enough to deserve. It's grace that's given freely because Jesus paid the price for it. Because we couldn't do it on our own. If we could earn our way into heaven, Jesus never would have had to have died on the cross, but that was an impossibility. So Jesus died to give us an undeniable path to the Father. Heads bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around. I want to ask you, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you have a relationship with this Savior? Not do you believe in God. The Bible actually says that the demons in hell believe in God and tremble with fear. Believing in God never got anyone anywhere. The question is, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Is he Lord and Savior of your life? Or is there sin in your life today? Is there compromise in your life today? Maybe, maybe you've had a walk with God in the past, but if you had to be truthful and honest, over time you've let complacency and compromise sneak in, and the passion that you used to have for Jesus isn't as bright or as hot as it used to be. Your commitment to Jesus isn't where it used to be, and that relationship is nowhere near how it used to be. For you, the passing of time has eroded away a powerful work that Jesus has done in your life. I want to challenge you today to step out of that complacency and step back into the beauty of a real relationship with Jesus. For some of us today, this is the homecoming because we're coming back. Is there sin in your heart? Is there sin in your life? The good news is that Jesus can forgive and restore and take care of all of that now if that's you I'm going to count to three in just a second and I want you to lift your eyes up and I want you to look at me because I want to lead you in a prayer to get all that stuff right so that you can start on a new and beautiful relationship with Jesus I'm not going to embarrass you or call you up front or single you out in any way I just want to pray for you today and I want to know who I'm praying for so if that's you and you say Pastor Josh man there's some jacked up stuff in my life and I need forgiveness my life's in shambles and I need Jesus to do a work in me. I used to have a passionate relationship with Jesus, but it's not where it used to be and I want to get it back to where it was and even stronger. You need Jesus in your life. If you say, I need Jesus in my life to be Lord and Savior. When I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes and look at me. No one's looking around. This is between you and me. I'm going to ask the band, the media team, to respect this moment. Everyone in this room, respect this moment. Let's make it safe. And let's make it sacred. I need Jesus in my life. When I count to three, lift your eyes and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift your eyes and look at me. I see yours and yours. I see yours. I see yours. I see yours. Once you lift your eyes, you can put them back down. I see yours. I see yours. I see yours. I see yours. I see you in the back right there. Praise God for what he's doing in the place. Once you lift your eyes, you can put them back down. I see you right there. I want to give just a little bit longer because I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity. Let me pray with you today. Let's let today be a day of new beginnings. Don't let this moment pass you by. I see you right there. Praise God for you. see you in the back thank God for you just a little bit longer just a little bit longer I see you right there praise God praise God all right everyone in the place let's all stand to our feet we had several people say I need Jesus in my life. We're going to make a change and watch Jesus make a difference today. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. That gets me excited. Hey, I want to pray over us and pray with you guys that lifted your eyes. Here's something I want to encourage you to do, though, before we go any further. Listen, praying a prayer in church is awesome. And getting your heart right with Jesus is awesome. Okay, listen, 
but there has to be a step beyond what's happening today. So listen to me. You need to get connected to a good Bible teaching church that is going to help you be successful in your walk with Jesus. And we're here to do whatever we can do here at Eastgate Church. We've got a saying here that at Eastgate, no one walks alone. We're family. We watch each other's backs. And this is the church that's committed to your spiritual success. But if it's not us, I want you to get into a church that's right for you so that you can grow in your walk with God so that what happens today continues to be a reality in your life, okay? You gotta get connected to church. You gotta get connected to church. If you wanna stay in shape, what do you gotta do? You gotta keep working out, right? Okay, getting your life right with Jesus isn't a one and done thing. It's a daily relationship. You gotta keep working. You gotta keep working for the results to take place. All right, I wanna pray with all of us this morning. You guys that lifted your eyes, I want you to repeat this prayer. Pray it after me. This isn't some kind of magical prayer. This is just something to walk you through the process of just surrender to God. That's what we're gonna do. Everybody in here, repeat this after me. Can we do that? Back these people up. Here we go. Heavenly Father, you know the truth about me. And I thank you that you love me anyway. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I receive your forgiveness now. I choose to repent from my old lifestyle. That means that I turn away from it. I don't want it anymore. Jesus, I want you. Thank you for not just dying for me, but thank you that you rose from the dead. That you don't just forgive me of my sin, but you set me free from that sin and my old lifestyle. You're my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to live my life one day at a time, becoming more and more like you. Amen. Let's give God praise for what just happened in the lives of the people this morning. Come on.